I want to share with you one of my favorite Christmas stories from Paul Harvey. Some of you are old enough to know Paul Harvey, and those of you who are not, you can just enjoy the story. The man to whom I'm going to introduce you was not a Scrooge. He was a kind, decent, mostly good man, generous to his family, upright in his dealings with other men, but he just didn't believe all that incarnation stuff which the churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just didn't make sense, and he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He just couldn't swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. I'm truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife, but I'm not going with you to church this Christmas. He said he'd feel like a hypocrite, that he'd much rather just stay at home, but he would wait up for them. And so he stayed, and they went to the midnight service. Shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. He went to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier, and then went back to his fireside chair and began to read his newspaper. Minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound, and then another, and then another, sort of a thump or a thud. At first, he thought someone must be throwing snowballs against his living room window, but when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. They'd been caught in the storm and in a desperate search for shelter had tried to fly through his large landscape window. Well, he couldn't let the poor creatures just lie there and freeze, so he remembered the barn where his children stabled their pony. That would provide a warm shelter if he could direct the birds to it. So quickly he put on a coat and galoshes and he tramped through the deepening snow to the barn. He opened the doors wide, turned on the light, but the birds did not come in. He figured food would entice them in. So he hurried back to the house, fetched some breadcrumbs, sprinkled them on a snow, making a trail to the yellow-lighted, wide-open doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs and continued to flap around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around, waving his arms. Instead, they scattered in every direction except the warm-lighted barn. And then he realized they were afraid of him. To them, he reasoned, I am a strange and terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I'm not going to hurt them, but to help them. But how? Because any move he made tended to frighten them, confuse them. They just would not follow. They would not be led or shooed because they feared him. If only I could be a bird, he thought to himself, and mingle with them and speak their language, then I could tell them not to be afraid. Then I could show them the way to the safe, warm barn. But I would have to be one of them so they could see and hear and understand. At that moment, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears above the sounds of the winds, and he stood there listening to the bells. Adeste Fidelis. For those non-Latin speakers, O come, all you faithful, listening to the bells, pealing the glad tidings of Christmas. And he sank to his knees in the snow. Hebrews 1 says, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. 
And after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. In this Christmas season, we have looked at how Jesus shows us the extravagant generosity of God. And we see it in surprising ways. We see that he is always generous toward the wrong people, the people that we might kind of push on the outset, that we might feel like we're too busy for, for this people. And yet again and again, he shows generosity. He's on the way, the, this urgent mission to, to heal this little girl who's on her deathbed. And this old woman who's been suffering for 12 years comes up and touches the edge of his robe. And rather than just hurrying on and coming back to her, he stops the procession in the middle of the urgency. And he makes sure that she understands what has happened. Your faith has healed you. And we say, well, he didn't have time for that. There's, and the girl dies in the midst of that story. And we think, well, Jesus, come on, like, let's have some time management skills. But we see that he always has time. And he goes to the little girl and he raises her to life again. And this is the pattern of Jesus again and again and again. We see him healing on the wrong day. He says he is Lord of the Sabbath. He has all authority given by God himself. And rather than using that for his own good, he uses that for the good of those who are needy. He has this guy with a shriveled hand stand up in front of everybody. Rather than hiding this miracle of God, he has him stand up and he heals him. This is what God's salvation looks like. And we see again and again and again, Jesus is so generous. He is generous with truth. There's this young man who's looking for, what does it mean to get eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you have to actually sell everything and then come and follow me. And that looks like a harsh statement. The guy goes away sad. But Jesus is being generous with truth in that moment. He's saying, listen, there is something that has a hold of your heart. And as long as that has a hold of your heart, you will not be able to find life. Let go of that. Be set free. This is the salvation that is offered to us. And then we see that he is so incredibly generous with grace. This prostitute falls at his feet, weeping, anointing his feet with this expensive perfume. And rather than kind of pushing her aside because she shouldn't be touching him, he elevates her. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you in front of everybody who had judged her. He is generous with grace. We see this again and again and again. Why did he do this? Why did he come? He came to save those who are lost. He came to those who are like birds swirling around in a, in a snowstorm. We saw the heavy winds over the, the past several days here, and I kept looking out my window thinking, I'm so grateful to have a warm, safe place. And then I thought of this story. I thought, man, if I was caught out in the middle of that, what would it look like to have a place that was home, to have a place that was safe? This is why Jesus came. He sees that we are lost like sheep without a shepherd. And he himself is the good shepherd who comes to us. And so as we celebrate on Christmas Day, I want to bring us back to Luke 2. The story of the angels, the birth of Jesus, and the shepherds. Here's what it says. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. A Savior has been born, good news of great joy. Pray with me. God, we thank you for caring enough about these lost, wandering people like us, that you would send your own son into the world, that we would not consider you a God who is angry and terrifying and frightening, but a God who in your, in your awesomeness is also near through your son, Jesus. We thank you that you have sent a savior in a, such a, an unexpected, understated way. You sent him to very humble beginnings. There wasn't even a place for him. He was put in a feeding trough for animals. And yet, and yet you were doing something amazing and incredible. And we look at the story of Jesus. We look at all that he did, all that he said. And we look at this rich generosity that you show through the incarnation. And we bow and we praise you. You are so good. We pray in Jesus' name. 